They say those who can't do teach. But that says nothing about if you can do the basics well and have some intermediate ability. Have you ever realised when you're the least talented person in the room? Have you ever got yourself into a situation where you know that despite giving it your best effort, the more you keep pushing, the deeper in trouble you're getting? And then, because you're doing something for a friend and you don't want to let your friend down, you have to keep going anyway until it all just falls apart. In this episode of Lessons From Life, I'm going to tell you how I learnt that just because you can, doesn't mean you should. And sometimes you have to know when to quit. This is A for effort, D for professionalism. Damien, the tall, friendly atheist dad. I hope you're having a great day, and welcome to the Tall, Friendly Atheist Dad podcast. Many years ago, I had two opportunities to exact revenge on two particular people. The first was at a football match where Shane was on the opposing team. I put the jersey on, took my spot in defence, and walking into my general vicinity was him, the man who I felt did me wrong. Now, Australian rules football is a full contact game. Injuries happen by the by. Bodies fly everywhere. The ball bounces at random angles forcing people to make split-second decisions, which sometimes involve bodily collisions. So if I were to maybe run into Shane, hit him in the ribs, step on his ankles, fishhook his mouth by mistake as a pack forms around the ball, it could plausibly be written off as an accident of the game, and no one would suspect the thing. Then give a fake apology. Oh, sorry Shane. And carry on with the match. The other person on the list was Mike, Shane's coordinator. When I first saw him, I wasn't sure it actually was him. I'd never actually met him before, just spoken to him over the phone, and saw his name in my emails. So to make sure, I got close enough to confirm a detail or two. He had a name that was identifiably Hispanic. He looked identifiably Hispanic. I heard people calling both him and his daughter by the Hispanic name, and the voice was similar to how it sounded on the phone. Yep, it was him. I found myself standing behind him, and there is an appreciable size and weight difference between me and Mike. It would be such a shame if something happened to him and his daughter had to rush him to hospital, but I never did exact revenge, for three reasons. One, in Shane's case, Shane had to withdraw from the game because of injury. He tore his hamstring in the first five minutes. Interchurch football games are those opportunities when middle-aged dads try to compete both with and against the youngsters. 
And Shane being at least five years older than me definitely put him into the former category. Two, Mike never saw harm, in part because we were out in public. We were surrounded by both witnesses and a crowd, so even if I did attack him, I would never have gotten away with it, and I probably would have been jumped by a crowd trying to get me off him. The third and most important reason, I'd forgiven both of them years ago. When I saw Shane, I definitely ran over to him, but not to hurt him. I ran over to him to shake his hand and ask how his business is going. When I saw Mike, I did indeed confirm it was him, and far from hurting him, I actually thanked him. But maybe I should explain why I felt the animosity in the first place. One of the things I can credit my years in being in a fundamental non-denominational church for is learning how to play music to the point that I can perform in front of crowds. I first started playing guitar in high school, where my school organised professional lessons for us and when music was a mandatory subject. After that, I didn't pick up a guitar too many times again until I dedicated myself to my fundamentalist non-denom church. At the time, their worship team consisted solely of the pastor's wife and her synthesizer keyboard that was able to play preloaded backing music, which earned it the affectionate nickname Band in a Box. The music we played was almost exclusive 4-4 time, 4-line verse, 4-line chorus, in major keys, rinse and repeat. Sure, there was the odd exception here and there, but 95% of the music was Hillsong, Vineyard, or other CCM-style worship from the mid-80s to the mid-90s. From there, both my abilities and my confidence grew. Sure, I wasn't shredding it as a lead guitarist, but I was handy. To help my progress along, in my spare time, I found a few guitar tab websites, worked out a way to play along, and things were coming along nicely. But eventually, I got to the point that I was bored. I knew the songs, I knew what style they wanted it in, and anyone who has been in a fundy church knows that on the days they introduce new songs to brace for a wave of complaints. One day, the music team at church needed a bassist in a hurry, so I picked up a bass, and the learning cycle started all over again. Use what I already know. Play along with music at home in front of printouts from guitartabs.com or something. Become handy and slowly climb the plateau of competency. Then from there, one day our church music team needed a drummer in a hurry. So again, I stepped in. This really took me out of my comfort zone. But again, I got to the point that I was rostered on routinely. Sure, I wasn't the best person there but I'd also like to think that it wasn't the worst. In short, I've always been the kind of guy who doesn't mind giving something a try if I feel I have some capacity for it and with minimal qualification. And one thing I did with that minimal qualification was teaching music, which is how Shane and I crossed paths. 
Shane put out a post on Facebook asking if anyone would be interested in helping him in his growing music school. For him, it was literally a full-time job he did when he wasn't working part-time hours in his real job at a bank. And for me, it would be a way of earning extra cash while trying something new and seeing how it goes. I had an interview, showed him what I was capable of, and not long after, I got given a couple of students. Sure, I wasn't earning much. I was the worst of a brilliant bunch, to the point that one of my colleagues even has a PhD in music performance. But I knew the basics, and this is why I got given young children as students. At one stage, I had about four or five students a week. My Saturdays were booked. I was rolling along nicely. My students even performed at the annual concert. And this is where A for effort comes in. Over time, the original bunch of students I had either lost interest or lessons became a luxury in the wake of the global financial crisis. So I was off the books for a while. In that time, my wife became pregnant with our second child. Our second child came. I was increasing in responsibility at work, and life got hectic. And then it got even more hectic when Shane contacted me and said he had an inquiry from a mum who has a young boy who wants to learn guitar. Me, wanting to help a friend out, said yes. But by this stage, I realised that I was uncomfortable as a music teacher. Time management was not my strong suit. Without having formal qualifications, I was literally doing everything off the cuff. And with two very young kids at home and a wife who was working part-time, every lesson I did for Shane was taking me away from my home environment where I was needed more and more. One late arrival to a lesson became two. Two late arrivals to lessons became a suddenly cancelled lesson with profuse apologies. Two cancelled lessons became a complaint. And this is where Mike enters the story. Damien, I just had a phone call with the mother of your student. She says she wants to cancel all future lessons because she finds you unreliable. So in order to keep her as a client, I'm going to ask you not to be her son's teacher. Thank you for your services. We'll pay you for the lessons you've given but I have to ask you to step down and not contact the mother again. This enraged me. Firstly, how dare someone criticise me? You know, I did my very best for both the school and the client. Did anyone even consider asking my side of the story before asking me to step down? No, it's always the client who is right, never the guy who's actually doing the work. And second... The family of the son I was teaching was of the same Asian nationality as my wife, and my wife was relatively well known in the local ethnic community. So if my wife lost face because word got back around to her because of something I did or didn't do, it's going to be fuel for the fire in an already fraught situation. That night, wisely or unwisely, I got on Facebook chat to Shane. Shane? What's the deal with Mike telling me to step down? Damien, I can't have you dealing with clients unprofessionally. What do you mean, unprofessionally? Do you realise what sacrifice I make to give those lessons? 
Did you even ask why I had to cancel that day? No, no one cares. It's all Damien was unprofessional, but no one stops to think why Damien did something that looks like it was unprofessional when he usually has a good track record. It was because my children were sick. What do you want me to do? Leave my children sick so I can teach a person whose parents don't appreciate what I'm sacrificing for them? And with that, Shane and I stopped talking. I never took another booking again. I stopped liking his Facebook page. D for professionalism. Looking back, Shane did the right thing. First, he has a business to run. Yeah, I was angry that his business came before our friendship. But as much as I like him as a person, him and I weren't too close anyway. Second, when I looked at his website soon after, not only was my profile removed, but I suspect it had been taken down long ago anyway, but the talent roster he had expanded greatly. But the talent roster he had had expanded greatly, and even if my profile was still up, I was clearly the least qualified, least talented person there. So what is he going to do? Keep an unqualified person who struggles with even one student on the books? Thirdly, Mike only did what Shane needed him to. It's not like there was a conspiracy to get me. And fourth, not having to worry about this one kid or his uptight mother freed me up to take care of things at home. My Tuesdays were free again. And besides, the rate I was getting paid to drive a one-hour round trip to teach this kid for 30 minutes wasn't worth it. Sure, I know how to play music. But just because you can doesn't make you a teacher, let alone a good one. And so the lesson for this episode is that just because you can doesn't always mean you should. And sometimes you have to know when to tap out, especially before you get to D for professionalism. If you enjoy this podcast, subscribe and rate it on whatever platform you find it on and share it on your social media. Continue the discussion on the discussion post as well as check out more thought-provoking content over at www.tallfriendlyatheistdad.com. If you wish to be a guest, would like me as a guest on your podcast or platform, or even to be a sponsor, head over to the Twitter account for this podcast, at TFADpod. But the best way to support this podcast is to head over to the iTunes bookstore or Google Play and purchase your copy of The Best Religion for the Task at Hand, a response to creationism and why humanism is morally superior to the Bible. You'll be engaged by it. Thank you for listening to the Tall, Friendly, Atheist Dad podcast. Have a great day. Have a great week. See you next time.